Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Quick line and drives it down now. Long we over. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! McCulloch saved it in. Barry Ferguson does this again. Welcome to the Hamden Roar podcast. We're looking ahead to Wednesday's game against Ukraine. We will have a flurry of podcasts over the next week or so, bear in mind with games against the Republic of Ireland and then away to Ukraine as well. But let's talk today with Ben Ramage and Lewis Irons, formerly of the SFA, now free to speak and think without any limitations as a BBC <laughs> staff member. So we can have him on. Um, to his heart's content now on the Hamden Roar podcast. So, Ben, good to have you back, mate, and Lewis, welcome along. You've been on a couple of times, haven't you? I have indeed, yes, but it's good to be back, like you say, with no limitations, no uh, no restrictions on me anymore. Yeah, um, unleashed. Unleashed, absolutely. <laughs> Hamden Roar after that. <laughs> um, but no, it's good to be on, and I'm looking forward to getting into this. It's, uh, yeah, I'm just wasn't having a national football back, to be honest. It does feel like it's been a while. I know it was only June, but I feel like it's been quite a break. Yeah, I think uh, given how the last international break began, mm. and then I know that we we did thump Armenia in the end, but I think we were still recovering from what happened in Dublin when we arrived at that game, and it did feel like a bit of an underwhelming break overall, Ben, given we were knocked out of the playoffs and then Ireland bossed us in Dublin. If we pick up a result on Wednesday, hopefully against uh, Ireland as well, it'll be two tough games, obviously. But if we can uh, be successful in both of them, it sets it up nicely for next week's game um, away to Ukraine, which I think is in Poland. Am I right in saying that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right, so I think that it, it has it seemed like quite a long time since the last one because it didn't go well. I always feel like if we do well, the next one comes around quite quickly. Whereas we've kind of been waiting for this one, trying to, I just want to get rid of that Ireland result obviously the Ukraine one as well. 
And it's quite nice that we're playing both those teams. It's quite a nice opportunity to at least it go some way to putting those those wrongs right. Hopefully. Well, before we get started in the last wee while, we're recording this uh, nine o'clock Wednesday evening. And in the last hour, a few squad changes have been announced. So it's kind of rejigged the planning for the pod a wee bit because surely with three games, surely Clark will have a look at bringing in another player or two just to beef up the squad a wee bit because the, the goalkeeping situation is a bit irrelevant. Craig Gordon will play. Um, but John McLaughlin has pulled out. He's not been playing for Rangers the last couple of games. I think he did get injured at club level, actually. He's replaced by Robbie McCrory. He's not, he's not played a game of football in about a year. I can't imagine he's going to come in and um, play a game of football for Scotland, but he's around. He's young-ish, I think, 24 now, so good to have him around the squad. But more importantly, outfielders Grant Hanley, Norwich captain, has pulled out. A shame because he's really cemented himself, I think, anyway, as the first-choice uh, member of the back three, and well, in the middle, anyway. And then Jacob Brown, which we were just talking about that, briefly before uh, we clicked the record button there, that this felt like it might be the break for Jacob Brown to get a proper chance in the team. He said fleeting appearances, Ben, from the bench, 10 minutes here, five there, but he had a good season with Stoke last year. He started this season well again. It does feel like there is a wee spot there or a vacancy alongside McGinn behind Shea Adams or Dykes, whoever is picked up front. Maybe it could have been Brown this time, but clearly it won't be. Are you as disappointed as, as clearly I am to, to see him pull out. Yeah, I think one of the things that we've maybe lacked a bit is pace in the, especially recently, we've maybe been a bit too easy to play against. It's been quite obvious the way we're going to play with Dykes. So I really think that with Dykes' form kind of tailing off as well, I thought this would have been a really good chance for Brown to maybe, you know, play off Adamson running behind. So it is a shame that we're missing him. Um, I'm sure he'll he'll come back in Um but yeah, it's a it's a it's probably a blow for him because he's been waiting kind of patiently for his chance, and this could have been it, uh, but unfortunately, it wasn't to be. Lewis, we've seen Clark uh, replace pullouts over the last wee while. One that immediately comes to mind is uh, I think it would have been Austria uh, away last year. I'm sure it was uh, when Paul McGinn came into the squad. Paul Hanlon came into the squad. I think that. Lewis Ferguson was maybe a late call-up as well at that point. Um, so he's not scared to just say, right, OK, here's a vacancy. Someone come in and make the most of yourself in training. Do you expect something similar to follow here with a, an attacking player and an important centre-half out? Yeah, I do. I would imagine you'll have to, given that we're still in the nature of triple headers as well. Um, so three games is, is a lot um, at this stage of the season, particularly with games down in England and, and up here obviously going to be, you know, the diaries chocolate blocks of players will be getting a lot of football so he's, he's maybe going to have to rotate and give some guys a chance to not you know, play every every minute of this international window, so particularly in defence I think he'll, he'll bring someone in it I know he was at the Celtic St Mirren game at the weekend, him and John Carver watching watching on so could we see Declan Gallagher come come back in, I mean he certainly didn't do himself any any danger with, with maybe being in contention after that performance against Celtic. But obviously, he just suits the, the middle of that that three, doesn't he, Gallagher? And, and we all know what he can do in a Scotland shirt. He's, he's proven it. And he, and he is getting back to what he was, I think, as well. Um, and then up at the top end of the pitch, yeah, I think um, Jacob Brown will be absolutely gutted. And, and I'm, I share the same 
uh, kind of feelings that you guys have around that because I think it was his, his chance to shine with with form and, and things that we were talking about. But yeah, defence will be interesting, and I really I've got a feeling about Gallagher. I think you know when you look at the squad and no no disrespect to him, but if, if Portis is in that squad, then you know I think Dick Gallagher's got just as good a, a claim to be in there, in my opinion. Um, but what well, I know, um, uh, Steve Clark's obviously the man making these calls and. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does, but I would imagine there will be some reinforcements for sure. We are all of a sudden, I think we are looking quite light up front. She Adams, yeah. uh, am I going too far if I say undisputed first choice? Is that a bit much? No. I don't think that's fair. Yeah, so, I think that's... Yeah, so, so say Shea Adams then up top, Lyndon Dykes has been struggling at club level. Ben, did you say in the last podcast just four goals since the start of 2022? Yes, yeah, and that's not with any injuries or anything. You know, he is—he's playing. It's not like he's missed a big chunk of games. Um, so that—that that is a real concern. If he's going to be playing up front at international level, you know, you need to have that goal threat. And he—he he has done it for us in the past. But I think, especially the last Ukraine game, he wasn't at his effective best. You know, they—they they dealt with him quite quick, quite uh, easily. So I'd like to see a change in that respect uh, on Wednesday night. See, so in, in terms of players that have been in the Scotland squad over the last year or so. Strikers, anyway. Uh, Ross Stewart uh, is not involved. He's injured with Sunderland at the moment. And Kevin Nisbet still making his way back from an ACL tear. Here's a name for you. Uh, I'll throw it to you first, Ben, as the Hearts fan. Lauren Shankland, he can get to Orium at the drop of a hat. Um, he's in good form. Do you think it makes sense? He's, he has been in good form this season. Um, and the one thing that I think he doesn't get credit enough for is his link-up play as well. He's not, he can finish, but he's also very clever holding the ball up, which at international level, you kind of, every player needs to be able to do that. You need to be able to link um, with the other players around you. And he has proven he can do that. He's been involved before. I really don't see any issue with him coming into the squad. It's, you know, to me, it's a bit of a no-brainer, but... I do, I do have maroon tinted glasses, so that might that might be playing into it. But he he, he is a really really good striker. We we don't have that many options. Lewis, is this a, a logical way forward here for the next week? I think so. Um, he's I watched him against Motherwell at the weekend, and for large parts of that game, Hearts didn't really have much joy in the game. They were kind of outplayed. I thought at times, and that's maybe with my Claret and Amber specs on here to balance out your. Uh, your maroon ones there, Ben. But um, no, I think I agree to be honest. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the Motherwell were, were excellent. But the thing that struck me about Shanklin that maybe some of our options up there do lack at things was he was he was quiet. He didn't have many touches, but when he did, he made really telling contributions to the game. Ben touching his link up play he was excellent with when he combined with Forrest for for the second. Um, and he does. He just pops up at, at crucial moments. He's he's a bit more of a clinical finisher than maybe we've got, but. I think one thing with if Dykes isn't going to be playing it perhaps or not, but is that physicality would maybe be lacking up there with, with Shea Adams and then Dykes has complimented him at times, but say it's going to be Ryan Fraser or something off of Adams that maybe lacks that physicality that Clark maybe likes up there, that, that outball that Dykes offers. And I, I don't think Shankland offers that. So it's maybe a bit of a shame as well. On the flip side for Ross Stewart, who's, who's, who's now out as well, he's been in the fold, been patient. Clark might have maybe given him a, an opportunity in this window and, Obviously, he's not getting it, so it's a shame for him as well. But, um, yeah, we are looking light up there, I think it's safe to say. Uh, it's just going to be Adams and I think like I think we touched on it, Andy, maybe the two of them will, will likely be attacking-minded midfielders or, or maybe Ryan Fraser, he's in a bit of form, but it'll be interesting to see what Clark goes with. 
We did actually touch on on Fraser the other day, Ben, when we recorded the pre-squad announcement pod. Clark must have fond memories of Fraser playing up there alongside Dykes. This was when Dykes had just come into the team. Uh, we were playing behind closed doors uh, in the Nations League, and they were on fire together up there. I remember two specific games at home to Slovakia, at home to Czech Republic. They both scored winning goals. And Fraser looked really dangerous in that sort of free role, uh, that arcing free role behind uh, Lyndon Dykes for a couple of games. He was really good. But you, if you do that as a two, then you're having to move John McGinn backwards, probably, unless you played McGinn and Fraser as a wee pair behind a lone striker, be it Adams or Dykes or, or whoever. There are, there are options for that supporting role uh, with Armstrong, with Christie. Maybe a bit too much to expect from Turnbull in that advanced role, um, but certainly an attack-minded midfielder. Um, so, so there are, are options there. Do you absolutely see it being like Lewis does, Shea Adams with McGinn and A another? Yeah, I think so, and I I don't see a problem with that because McGinn's clever enough, you know, to link with the midfield to support the striker to go in behind. You know, McGinn's a bit of a superman; he can kind of do everything. Um, I actually quite like the idea of Fraser because I just think it gives you that other option. You know, if you need to go in behind, if you need someone with a bit of trickery to go past someone, we didn't really have that the last time we played Ukraine. It was very much up to Dykes, hope that it sticks, hope that he brings someone else in and it didn't work. So I, I really want us to, to have learned from that and to try something else. And, you know, Fraser's playing at a very good level. Um, Christie as well, I think, has, has settled really well. Um Bournemouth obviously drew in Newcastle um, and he played in that. So I would expect one of those to be in ahead of Dykes. I, I really do. Have the days of Adam and Dykes together disappeared? They didn't go well in June. In the Ukraine game, actually, together, they were played up top. And we spoke about it, Ben, before the game, saying this could be the way forward because at the start of the Euros against Czech Republic, when he brought Adams off the bench at half time, they looked pretty menacing together, but it didn't work out in the June games, uh, having the pair of them up there together, Lewis. I think we do look more cohesive, threatening, uh, and not as one-dimensional when we have two attacking threats behind a single striker. Yeah, it might be It might be gone. I think, you know, form can come and go. Dykes could hit a, hit a purple patch at some point and force his way back into this team, and before you know it, you could be looking at the same sort of form that the two of them had at one point. But like you see, I think at the moment, I just can't see it for the foreseeable. Uh, and I think, Ben Tuckerson as well, what, what Fraser brings to the team is it's just something that we haven't really had in the last few while. And I think hopefully we have learned from the last international break, particularly that Ireland game. Fraser hopefully will just give us an incisiveness and a sharpness that I think we've maybe lacked at times up there. Um, so hopefully, I, I think I'd quite like to see Fraser get a shot, either him or Christie, because Christie for me is just a... An absolute star in a Scotland shirt, like he always gives everything for the cause. He, I don't think I've ever seen him really perform badly for us. So, you know, I wouldn't be a, you know opposed to him being in there either. But it's it's going to be Adams beginning one other, and for me at the moment, it's a, a coin toss between Christie and Fraser. Yeah, um, unfortunately, because I, I do love him in a Scotland shirt as well. I just think Dykes at the moment is out of the picture, just given his form and and like you say that the way he played with Adams in the last game, it just looks like we're maybe drifting away from that for now. I think we're due, as as fans, uh, a period of consistency from Fraser. He's only got 22 caps 
which really feels like about half of what he should have. When he broke into the team towards the end of Strachan's reign, had a couple of caps uh, in the tail end of those qualifiers where we uh, we failed uh, 2-2 draw against Slovenia. But he's, he scored four goals in those 22 caps. He, had, he did have a wee run um, of about three games where he scored, he scored an important goal against Israel, I remember, as well. So we've seen it in flashes, um, but just not often enough. And, I, and I'm not going to ask you here, Lewis, to delve into any off-record shit. <laughs> but obviously, there, there, there must have been an issue at some point between him and Clark, where I think Fraser had not shown the commitment or the dedication that is maybe required from a Clark player. And uh, even when he was fit, sometimes he was being left out. So it's good to see him back, definitely, Lewis. And I think it's, not to be too harsh on him, I think it's about time we see for Scotland what he's what he's capable of on a more regular basis if him and the manager have put water under the bridge for whatever was happening. Yeah, I think so. I think he's also just due like a another good spell of his career. Like when you think of that form he was in at Bournemouth, he's not really been in that form since that maybe one season when he was really he was you know competing with Eden Hazard for most assists in the Premier League and stuff for a while, which is mm-hmm. a mental thought. So think of the heights that he reached. He's not hit that in a long time, and he I think he'll be desperate just to have a sustained period of of good form for club and country, and he definitely does owe something. I think. And, you know, there's no secrets or anything to, to hide from the, the last one, you know, when Clark, you know, let him out of the squad and then he was pictured training with Newcastle. I think the manager was asked about it a couple of times in press and, you know, it did definitely frustrate fans uh, and, and the, the coaching staff for sure because it just it makes people look a bit daft, doesn't it? And I think Ryan noticed that, appreciated that and had a conversation with the manager, which has which obviously been aired and, and dealt with because he's back in the picture. Clark's not the type to, to fold for, for anyone, is he? So uh, he's done it his way and, and done it rightly and he's back in the picture. But yeah, it's amazing that he's only had 22 caps. So is, is Dykes overtaking him in caps now? It must be near him. That's a mental thought. Like, Can't be far away for sure, yeah. Let me just yeah. check. Um, it's crazy to think that in that period, you know, Fraser's not been around that Dykes probably caught him. But um, yeah, the, hopefully. The same, Lewis, 22 caps each. Wow, there you are. I would never have guessed that. Um, I would have thought Fraser would add more, but um, I, like, I like the idea that Fraser really has a point to prove as well. That I, <laughs> that might work in our favour. The fact that he there's people that are kind of questioning him, so you know he's going to have that little extra incentive to really show up and and be like, yeah, no, this is what I can do. I really hope that that does come to pass. Yeah, I think he'll do, hopefully he'll have a bit more confidence in general at the moment as well, playing under Eddie Howe, who got the best out of him at Bournemouth as well, and. He's getting a bit more regular football now, so hopefully he's just coming in with a confidence, but b a point to prove, and yeah, that'd be that'd be a good mix, I think. It's it's mad that see when he had that season you're talking about there, Lewis. Um, when would that have been? Say 2018, maybe. So like that, yeah, say, say four years ago, Fraser at that point would have been 24, and we thought Oof, for the next six seven seasons we're going to have a flying winger here for Scotland, contributing goals, contributing assists. It's just never really developed that way. Suddenly, he's 28, 29 at the start of next year, and he's in, if not edging towards the end of his peak years. And I'm not trying to wish Ryan Fraser's career away, but it's similar to the conversation uh, Sheikh brought up, uh, Ben, on the podcast the other day. When did Stuart Armstrong turn 30? Like, (laughs) Ryan Fraser is 29 at the start of next year, and it feels like we've barely seen him in a Scotland. 
And it, four or five years ago, you're talking about like when he was in that form, James Forrest would have been like in his kind of peak of powers for Celtic as well. That was like, we have two excellent wingers either side of a striker. Fast forward five years, we just don't play with wingers like at all. <laughs> yeah. um, and and probably because in part, not, not so much Forrest, but Fraser did go kind of off the ball. We never really had a, another natural winger to complement Forrest on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like we were always chucking central-minded attacking midfielders out in the wing or whatever at those points. But now under Clark, obviously no wingers at all, no width other than from the, the wing back. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy that he's, he's about to turn 29. Uh, and before you know it, yeah, he's, he's, he's the wrong side of 30. And, mm-hmm. The career starts to go. Look at look at us talking as we all approach thirty as well. But um Oh, you're being very kind to Ben Ramage there, Lewis. <laughs> I'm staying very quiet. You're on the one year deals now, Ben. I'm staying very quiet. All in our thirties. Thirties is the fact. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's uh, let's talk about the fullbacks then. Uh, when we played Ukraine in June, it was obviously Robertson on the left. He's injured, won't be involved. It was Hickey on the right. He's in the squad and fit. I have a feeling though that uh, both of those, well, obviously Robertson, but neither neither of them will be in the team. Ben, I'm going to say Patterson will start at right wing back and Taylor. I think Taylor. Uh, I've got no qualms with Taylor coming in. He's he's in good form for Celtic. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I felt a bit sorry for Hickey that Ukraine game. He had McTominay inside him and it it, it just wasn't that solid. And the, the thing is, Ukraine have very good attacking players, as we found out. Um, so I felt a little bit sorry for him in that game. It was pretty tough. But I think Patterson is flying for Everton now, which is brilliant because I think we all expected it to happen. Um, they don't always get the opportunity to show it when you're that age. So I'm just really glad that that's going as well as as we hoped. And I, I really think that he's the sort of future for the next few years. Um, and yeah, I think especially with Hanley going out, I think it makes even more sense to have Tierney as part of the back three, because we just need some solidity and quality in that back three. And Tierney obviously has that in abundance. And I think Taylor, as you say, you know, he's been impressing in the Champions League. He's playing at a very top level. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're right with Patterson and uh, Taylor. Yeah, I think there should be a different conversation. Sorry, I interrupt, Andy. That if this was, if it was Tierney that was out ahead of Robertson, it's always different. I think we've seen in the past that when we don't have Tierney, things become harder for us to, to play in this system. Or sometimes maybe Clark might start to overthink it and start moving things around to compensate for not having Tierney. As crazy as it is to say, because Robertson's one of the best players in world football, if not the best player in his position. It's probably easier not having him because at least it's a bit more like for like with Taylor. Mm. Um, and it, but it'll be interesting to see how we are without Robertson. The team has just been such a consistent performer. I think he probably didn't get enough credit either, does he? Just because he is Andy Robertson. But the last few years, he's been brilliant for us. I think that him and Tierney, in particular, when they played together, have been just brilliant. Um, so 
yeah, I think I'd, I'd like to see Taylor get a shot. And I think the way he's playing, you could maybe even argue he's in better form than Robertson right now. Um, so, yeah, it'd be good to get Taylor into that team. And Patterson, like Ben says, is, is the future of, of that side of defence for us. And for the next 10 years or so, it's pretty sold up. And it's great that he's playing regular football in the Premier League now under Lampard. So, yeah, I think I think that's probably it. Ralston's the other option, isn't he? And Hickey, like you say. But, yeah, I think there's no debate that it'll be Patterson um, and Taylor. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to look past Patterson. There's a clip going around just now. I know he's obviously full of attacking intent and and dangerous, but there's a really good clip going around Twitter of a last stitch tackle he made against West Ham at the weekend. He's got that recovery pace, which is so important. He's an intelligent player as well. I don't know how obviously they, they were just coming into the squad. Well, Patterson more than Taylor Lewis when you were in the media team. Um Patterson from the outside looking in, seems so laid back, he's almost horizontal. Is that is that right? He just seems to take everything in his stride. Most chilled guy I've ever come across, I think, Matt Squad, for his age. You'd think he's been on the scene for years. He's so, so chilled. It's, it's unreal. Um, he just, when he's not training or playing football, he's playing golf. And that, again, seems like quite a senior-minded thing to do for a young lad. Like He, he loves the golf and... Is, is kind of has his downtime and stuff, but yeah, he's so chilled and nothing phases him. Um, which you need, he's got that mentality that you need to have at that level playing the Premier League, let's be honest. So, yeah, he, he is very, very horizontal. When we were out on uh, Saturday for a pint, we were you were saying that you quite like the idea of Tierney and Taylor playing together because they're best mates. Yeah, I, I think I, I mean, I know it's, it's not the be on end all, but how close they are off the pitch. Is you would think we could bode well on it. Like they're they're so tight, they're so such good pals. Uh, they bounce off each other. The kind of heart and soul of things when they're together. Uh, and Tierney's like a different guy. We kind of tailor around, just bubbling, bouncing about the place. So um, I think if they're that close off the pitch, surely on the pitch. I don't. Have we ever seen them really play together? Like I don't know. I'd be digging. Taylor, far back to, uh, Taylor did play in June. Uh, yeah. One game, didn't he? Um, can't remember. Can't quite remember. Yeah. Um. But when Taylor's played before, I think it's been at the left of a of a four. Uh, yeah, yeah. Left wing back. So I'm not sure he will have really played with Tierney that much anyway. And I think now that, and again, I, I'm not a tactical expert to say this, but the way that Taylor's playing under Costa Coglu at the minute with his positioning, like he often pops up in central midfield. That you'd like to think that could bode well for Tierney getting round him. Like he'll be more positional aware than he's ever been to tuck in, drop deep into kind of more central areas to cover for him which might allow Tierney to get up and round. So you'd think at the moment this is the best time for Taylor and Tierney to play together where like, they kind of form their in anyway. Uh, and as you said, off the pitch, they're just so close. Let's chat about the defence then. Ben, on the podcast the other night, we discussed the potential for McTominay to go back into midfield. He's in good form there from Man United. And did we have the necessary replacements on the right-hand side of the defence? Does Hanley's injury... And pulling out of the squad complicate that at all? Because it does it does it mean Jack Hendry is now uh, maybe an option for the centre of the back three? And does it mean that McTominay will be staying where he has for for so many games over the last year or two? Yeah, it's a real tough one because, and you know, I've said it quite a few times that I, I, I'm not, I don't 100 percent trust McTominay in, in the back three, and I, even in that uh, World Cup playoff against Ukraine. 
I still think that you need, especially against a good attacking team, you need solid centre-backs that know exactly where a striker is going to be, where they're going to run, the kind of runs they're going to make. And McTominay isn't playing that position at club level. I know he is playing really well for Man United in midfield. Um, I really don't know, is my honest answer. I don't know. Um, Hanley dropping out makes us even less solid, which I think is what we touched on, why we would definitely have Tierney in that back three. Um, But yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to see because I don't think Hendry's been playing that much. I'm not sure. Um, So, yeah. I, I totally agree with Lewis, what he was saying about um, Gallagher, though, because when I saw Porteous called up, I was just thinking, what has Gallagher actually got to do? Because he's been in some in much better form. And I saw Hibs players saying, uh, Hibs fans saying that they're surprised. It's ironic that Porteous is getting called up now when he hasn't actually been playing at his best. But he's got in ahead of Gallagher, who's getting clean sheets quite a lot and who has nine caps already. You know, he knows the squad, he knows the team, so... I would I would expect Gallagher to be called up. I wouldn't expect him to start. Um, but I honestly, I'm not sure what Clark's going to go with as the back three, and that does scare me a bit, to be honest. Yeah, it's, I'm I'm afraid I'm afraid to start speaking about Portis's inclusion because I don't know how how far I might take it. <laughs> <laughs> You're among friends. Yeah, it used it used to be McKenna that would uh, that'd be on the receiving end of this. But as I said on the podcast the other day. I've been proved wrong on McKenna and I'm I'm delighted about that, but no, I I'd not have Portis starting a a game for Scotland, Lewis. No, I don't think he'll start either. Um I think this is this really is where Clark has to make his mind up. I think obviously no Robertson is a is a headache, but I think we're all in agreement that Taylor makes has made things quite easy there in terms of what to do now. His form speaks for itself a bit. Um, but that right side of the fence then has a knock-on effect into that midfield, which there's a lot of players in and out of form in the midfield area. And similarly, right-sided central defence injuries and form are a bit of an issue. I feel like he's going to go with McTominay in the right side of the defence and just keep that consistency. It feels like a Clark thing to do. He likes familiarity and, and going with things that he's done in the past. So... I've got a feeling it'll be McTominay on that right side of the fence. And then I think he will go with McKenna or Hendry in the middle of the of the three. Um, but it's it's really difficult. Um, McTominay's playing very well for Man United, like Ben said. I don't think we've seen the best from him in midfield for Scotland. Uh, but likewise, I don't think we've seen the best from him at right side of the defence either. He always was kind of put in there to allow that midfield three to be what it was. But yeah, it's so hard to call. So I think Clark's got a big, big decision on his hands there. Um, and if I was gonna, if I was to say what I would do, I think I would just stick with McTominay on the right of the of the three, and I'd probably play McKenna in the middle. If I'm honest, I think that's I, I think I agree with you, Lewis. I think it will be McTominay, McKenna, Tierney, which I'm not overly fearful of. I know that McTominay is still a midfielder playing in defence, but the other two, completely comfortable with them being yeah. there. Um, Tierney, of course I am. Uh, and McKenna, as I just said, I'm, I don't think of him the way that I used to. Uh, looking at defenders that we don't have, so Hanley's pulled out. Cooper hasn't been playing for Leeds. I think he's been injured. Yeah. Um, just check that um, before we start the podcast. He's not played a game this season. Suter uh, hasn't been playing at Rangers. Injured, yes? 
he was injured. I don't know if he's back yet or not. But um, yeah, I think he was dropped after the Livy game. Uh, his debut, he didn't have a good debut at Livingston, and then and then I think he got injured after that. So yeah. I don't actually know if he's injured still or if he's just out of the picture. Uh, and sticking with your Maroon boys, Ben Halkett uh, is is injured. Is that right? Yeah, he's yeah. he keeps coming back and then picking yeah. up a little nickel and being out again, which is a real shame. Kingsley is one that I've seen touted quite a lot, and but I don't think he really solves the the riddle because he would be playing that left sided centre back that Tierney has, you know, nailed down. So yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I think that we we are in we've reached a common conclusion here. I think it will be McTominay, McKenna, Tierney with Patterson on the right and Taylor. On the left. Yeah, I think so. It feels like the, the personnel, the form of these lads at the moment dictates that a little bit. I guess you could maybe, I, I, he's not in as good form as, as maybe McKenna is or played as often, but Hendry has done well for us whenever he's played. And I think Clark likes his physical attributes. He's good on the ball. But I think when you've got McTominay and Tierney either side, you don't necessarily need a ball player in the middle of the two. Uh, and not saying McKenna isn't. He's proven he can be a very good ball player, but I think he just fits the centre of the three better than Hendry probably does. Well, it wouldn't be unlike Clark to throw in a curveball. I think we, we should probably know by now as Scotland fans that will very rarely get the starting 11 bang on. There's always one or two um, that catches out. But the midfield three seems to be pretty solidified. McGregor is... Uh, Loved by Clark and a great player. McGinn is arguably and probably our most important midfielder in attacking sense anyway. Billy Gilmore's the other part of the trifecta. Does he still have a starting place right now, given he's barely kicked a ball for Chelsea, Lewis? I know you've made the point before, um, maybe maybe just to me, actually, I don't think you mentioned it on the podcast uh, tonight, but that Gilmore, when he was getting picked by Clark previously, was never a regular anyway at Chelsea. So does it really matter? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's the obvious thing to point out with maybe Billy Gilmore at the moment and maybe would throw question marks over any other player. He's not playing regularly, therefore will he be in this team? But he is just a different scenario, Billy Gilmore, um, because of that. I mean, he's never been a regular in a first team really for for the the young career he's had. Um, he went through a wee spell at Norwich, but when you think about that time when he broke into the team and put in some of his best performances for Scotland, he was he was not playing regularly. He was getting little cup appearances here and there or coming off the bench for 10, 15 minutes for Chelsea. Uh, and yes, his confidence was high, whereas maybe it's not as high now as it was then. But I just think there's something about what he gives that midfield that you can't really take out and, and replace very well. Like McGregor and McGinn with Gilmore alongside them just complement each other really well. And I think Clark would go with that. The only thing that might scupper that for Billy Gilmore's sake would be if he were to throw Ryan Jack in, because I think Ryan Jack's a, a player that complements that midfield brilliantly. Uh, he's maybe not quite at his, the peak of his powers at the moment in terms of fitness and form, but I mean, he's been excellent alongside McGregor and that Scotland midfield in some of the biggest nights of, of our lives as Scotland fans, hasn't he? So, um, yeah, that would maybe be the one question mark, Ryan Jack. But otherwise, I think it's Billy Gilmore's spot in the midfield, to be honest. 
Well, Ben, the, these are the names, uh, and I won't include Armstrong, I won't include Turnbull, because they're different types of midfielders. But if you're dropping Billy Gilmore, it's to be replaced by either Ryan Jack or Kenny McLean, who's still in the squad, or if you're as minded, Scott McTominay, but we've agreed he'll likely play as a right centre half. But what do you reckon? Yeah, so when I did my three, I actually had Ryan Jack in ahead of Gilmore, which I didn't think I would do because I absolutely adore Gilmore. And I like like Lewis has touched on the uh, the quality that he has, the the passing, the vision. He just has that little superstar touch that we don't really have a lot of players that really have that. Um, so it's really hard to leave him out. But I just feel like that midfield three just got overran in that Ukraine game that, uh, in June. And I just don't want to see that happen again. And we've seen Ryan Jack put that performance in for Scotland where he runs the midfield. He's a lot better at winning the ball. He's really good at intercepting. He just he has all of those qualities you want from a defensive midfielder. And he can also pass and he can, he's also got a good shot. So I, would, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jack come in and maybe just try and solidify that up. I think him and McGregor are so strong together, um, like a little engine room working together. And that lets McGinn maybe have a bit more freedom going forward. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. I, I still love Gilmore, so I still wouldn't be annoyed if Gilmore starts because I just love watching him play. Um, but I, I think for this one, I think it would be good to have that little bit more strength and steel in midfield. It probably makes sense to play Jack in the first game of this three as well because he probably won't, he's not going to be able to play every game as he let's be honest around Jack and he, Steve Clark probably wouldn't risk playing him in all three games to sustain potential injury to him. So Jack started it off and then Gilmore played the, the following two games, for example. I could see maybe that mm-hmm. scenario, but yeah, maybe that grit and steel that Jack gives us makes more sense for that first game, which is a difficult game, but it's so important to get this triple header off to a good start because we, we've seen the effect that that can do if we start to snowball and form a bit. So yeah, this first game is important. I wouldn't be surprised if he went with Jack, to be honest. That, and the more you talk about it there, Ben, the more I like the thought of it as well. Uh, just because like, it's been a while since we've, we've seen Jack in, a, in the team, isn't it? Ryan Jack only has 12 caps, wow. which is poultry compared to what his ability and contributions mm-hmm. when he's been fit really have proved. Um, the, the performance of him and McGregor in Serbia will live long in the memory. It was superb, and it's just mm-hmm. a shame. Um, on the similar wavelength as, as Fraser, that he's, he's just not really had the opportunity to go and, and further that. I mean, missing the Euros was a... An absolute oh. tragedy for, for Ryan Jack. Yeah. yeah. Given that performance you touched on, like it was so such a shame. And McLean, the two of them, like when you think of their contributions to get us to that point and they miss it is is absolutely gutting. Um but uh, Kenny McLean, you touched on it's great having him back in the squad. I, I really, really rate him as a squad player. Um on and off the pitch, he's just such a, a leader and a character and a presence in there. He gets on well with so many of the players and he's a bit of a, a glue between a lot of the different groups. Um, but on the pitch as well, I, I really just rate him. I think he's a great option off the bench. Um, and I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him get a start one of these three games at some point as well. But uh, yeah, for that first game, if Jack's fit and ready, then brilliant. Um, otherwise, I think, yeah, he will go with, with Gilmore. But yeah, it'll be good to see. Hypothetically, if one of them do pull out who do you think we would see called up in, in that midfield role? Again, breaking the types of centre-mids into different groups. You've got the ones that play in Jack and McGregor and Gilmore's position. Then you have Turnbull, McGinn, Armstrong, etc. 
um, further forward. A couple of names I'll, I'll throw at you. First, Ben, uh, Lewis Ferguson, he's been around the squad. He's, he's got a handful of caps. Clark said publicly this week, uh, focus on getting in the Bologna team, um, stay and impress your new manager because Sinisa Mihailovic got sacked. So uh, Clark has said, stay and impress Sorry, your new manager. Um, don't worry about this camp. Then have Alan Campbell, who made his debut at the end of last season, had a brilliant season. Lewis is fist pumping there, the steam man. Uh, <laughs> Alan Campbell had a great season for Luton. I think the fans were actually expecting to lose him, whether they were promoted or not. Ended up staying. Um, so he must be one that's on the precipice. Another, uh, with regards to this squad, I've seen a few Aberdeen fans a bit confused that Ross McCrory hasn't been given a call-up. Um, not sure, maybe we're quite at that stage yet, but if we're talking about this bracket of players that Ferguson and Campbell and a few others are in, is, is McCrory in there as well? Yeah, I think the issue is that we're really, no matter what happens with injuries, we're, we're always very well stacked in centre-mid. Just We just seem to produce centre-mids. Um, <laughs> there's never been a shortage, which is good. Um, but yeah, the ones you've mentioned, I think Alan Campbell, you know, we spoke about him a lot. We really really rate what he can do. And it's a box-to-box midfielder. We don't maybe have that many of that kind of type um, that uh, maybe McGinn aside, but even then he's more defensive than that. So yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Campbell in the, in the squad again. He's such a hard worker. Um, Ferguson, I kind of, I get what he's saying about trying to impress the Bologna manager, but if he's still, he's kind of been one that we've been kind of grooming and bringing in and he's been involved a lot. So I don't really see the point in doing that and then not involving him in really important games. If he's, you know, if you think that he's technically good enough, which I think, well, we all kind of do think he is, I'd be surprised not to see him brought back in, to be honest. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think he will bring bring one of them in. Lewis, where do you stand on those three specifically, Campbell? Alan Campbell should be in the starting eleven for Ukraine. In the armband. No, joking aside, uh, uh, just living up to my billing as an Alan Campbell fanboy. There, um, I, I do just think he's absolutely brilliant. Um, everything he does is just with a hundred percent commitment, effort, work rate. He's become absolutely massive since he went down south physically. Really, like he was. He was always quite. He was always quite stocking, could throw himself about the pitch up here. But like I, I saw him when he was in the last squad, and he literally was just showing me. He was like, "Look," <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, what has happened to you, wee man?" He's literally shredded to bits now. Um, for context, so, you and Alan Campbell go go back from your time working at Motherwell. Yeah, yeah. Watched Alan Campbell, David Turnbull, like a very fortunate crop to to watch kind of come through the ranks at Motherwell in the under twenties. League Turnbull Campbell, um, yeah, were the, were the main ones. Obviously, people like James Scott, Jake Hastings, and all that were in there as well. Um, but yeah, those two were were just kind of different levels as we've seen. But uh, yeah, I think Campbell he does offer something um, fresh to the squad. I think he, when he comes in, he's he's training every day. He gives so much that that pushes kind of others. And I remember Cal McGregor pointing that out when. Campbell was in the squad in the last camp, just how good he was in terms of the effect he had in training. So I think that's the sort of thing that might maybe impress Clark to call him a pot, you know, up if there's going to be a, a vacancy. But the point about Ferguson is a good one, I think. <clears throat> maybe just allowing him that time to set on focus on his club form long term might might help him. But like you say, if he's going to be around, around the place, there's no harm calling him up. 
so he could could come in if there was ever a shortage. But yeah, I think Campbell's the one for me uh, that, that that would be the closest to coming in. McCrory, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him as well. I think we're in a good place for for years to come when you look at the midfield. Um, and it was always McCrory really that was the the kind of first name on that kind of under twenties set up in the Scotland squad. You always thought he'd be the one that would make the step before the other lads, but. I think the way that Campbell and Turnbull's career have kind of gone, they would shoot ahead of him in the queue for me at the moment. Lewis, from for, for a lot of fans, I think it's it's a bit confusing sometimes what the build-up is like for the games uh, with uh, recovery and preparation and stuff. So the squad will have met up today, won't they? Some yesterday, but yeah. um, today. What, yesterday, what, pretty much, yeah. What, what happens on a recovery day. Can you paint a picture for what that's like? What what do the players do um, if they can't train properly? Because Clark had to adapt to this when he came into the squad pretty quickly. He was giving players like Ryan Jack double sessions and he was going back to yeah. injuries, etc. So what what is it like for the players when they can't really train much and have a massive game in two days? It's strange. I think today, for example, I know that it was double sessions for pretty much everyone in the squad that played on Saturday. Um, so the majority of people that met up on Sunday will have had a double session today because they had that Sunday off. But for, i trying to think of who would have played on Sunday um, that's in the squad. But Patterson, whoever, uh, Patterson, yeah. Hickey and uh, Tierney. No, no, no. Yeah, was Brent, yeah Brentford was Saturday, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah, was. McGregor as well. Callum mm-hmm. McGregor, yeah. Taylor. Um, I'd say, say at least say at least half a dozen of the players were probably playing. Yeah. Yeah. So Scottish-based lads will come in pretty early. Well, most of the Scottish-based lads would still go in on the Sunday anyway if they were playing, and they'd have an easier. So if it was a double session, they'd maybe only join in for the afternoon session. They'd have a light pool, kind of masseuse treatment, all that kind of stuff in the morning and kind of go about their day a bit more slower than others who would be straight into it from the off. Um, but then very often if the lads are down south are playing on a Sunday, they won't get up. Their flights and stuff won't maybe get in, so they're not in until the afternoon or whatever, and then they'd maybe then have their recovery in the afternoon, so pool sessions and stuff like that. But it's very much, for a long period, it, was, it wasn't it was the best atmosphere in terms of what coaches could do because of COVID. Like, it was a bit crap, whereas now it's opening back up to its best sort of stuff. So some of the things that Clark did on these first days to kind of help the lads in if it was initial recovery days would be literally get like a coffee vendor in to kind of do like a bit of a coffee thing with the guys and like have them all milling around and make sure that everyone was kind of getting chatting away in the in the communal areas of the hotel as opposed to being locked in their rooms um so it's very much to kind of get their mindset switched into being all together again familiarizing everyone again uh, and if there's any new faces in the squad making that process as smooth for them as possible but Today, I know it would have been double sessions um, for, for the majority of them to get them up and running quickly. And then the lads that played on Sunday would have just had the one session and kind of light stuff today. But yeah, it's, it's weird. Like he, he has gradually went more and more towards double sessions, Clark, just because of how little time he has with, with players. And I think that's always been his biggest bugbear coming from club football was, was limited time. Whereas as he's gradually worked up now to this point where he's got a same set of players really all the time which is a big part of why he's been consistent with these squad call-ups I think which people took a while to get used to mm-hmm. was that he wanted everyone to know his way of working when he came in so that when they were together you were there quicker as opposed to wasting a day or two of getting people up and running and integrating new faces and getting things going there's a lot to be said for consistency at a national level on results and performance so 
think he's kind of getting to his optimum levels now of double sessions and intense working with the same group, pretty much. If they're, well, well I say if, um, Jacob Brown has pulled out. Now, we touched on this player the other day, Ben. He wasn't included, but with Jacob Brown pulling out, we didn't really mention him at the top of the podcast. McBurney has four and five now for Sheffield United. So I think it was three and four or three and three when we last spoke. He scored another. Should he be? Should he be in contention? I think he's in contention, definitely. Um, whether he's picked is another matter, and obviously that is up to Clark. And we talked about his sort of off-the-field um, issues, whether that's all been resolved. I think he might need to prove that um, to Clark, you know. But all the things that Lewis has touched on then, obviously McBurney was involved for a long time. He got quite a lot of caps, so he obviously knows knows the setup. Um, so, yeah, it'll, I, I'm not sure if I would have him uh, personally. I'm not sure if it's worth it when we've got the other options that we do. But obviously with Brown coming out, it has opened up a slot. Um, so, yeah, watch the space. He is, he's doing everything he can. You know, he's like you're saying, four and five, he's, he's playing very well. Um, there is obviously a talented player there. Um, we've touched on it before, where if, if he'd have scored in one of those first few caps, you just don't know the, the way it could have gone. Um, obviously he didn't and everything else has happened. Um, I, I can't remember off the top of my head how old he is. I think I think he's twenty six, um, but I'll just let you know in a gif. <coughs> yeah, I think twenty six was Yep, he's just turned twenty six at the start of summer there. Yeah. So he's he's still got a lot of years ahead of him. Um, you know, strikers you would generally say maybe hit their peak about twenty nine thirty. You know, when you've really when you know the game inside out and you're still physically really fit. So he still has a lot of time on his hands, and he does have that initial experience with us. So. We maybe shouldn't just cast him aside having gone through that whole process of getting him involved. What do you reckon, Lewis? It's been a bit of a roller coaster for him, but the player, his teammates like him, don't they? Uh, and when he's in form at club level, which he hasn't been really for a couple of seasons now since he left Swansea, is there, is there sense here? Yeah, I don't think you can ever. I don't think we're in a position to just discard strikers, are we? Really? Um, we spoke about that, and I, th- I don't think. Any, any good manager wouldn't put personal issues or things, not that they have any personal issues, but you know what I mean, the off-field stuff with McBurney. I don't think any manager would let that get in the way of, of a striker who's banging the goals in. He's start, don't get me wrong, this is still early doors in his spell of form. I think if he can sustain this for a prolonged period, he's, yeah, he's got to be in the conversation. But we've seen it recently with likes of Ryan Fraser. If there's any kind of issues off the pitch like that come into it, Clark will deal with them the way he needs to and focus on how they're performing and yeah, if he's playing well, which he is at the moment, and continues to, then he's got to come back into the conversation, doesn't he? And he's timing it well with some of the other options up there, maybe going off the boil a little bit in, term, in terms of their goal scoring output, like Dykes and stuff. So, yeah, I think so. And as Ben said, he's familiar around the place. He's He has a really good character. Like He's a, he's a really genuinely nice lad. He's just maybe a bit unfortunate with some of his decisions and um, maybe some of his uh, incidents he gets himself into. But Genuinely, there's a good guy there that, that is a good player and it'd be good to see him get a decent run of form and actually get a, a goal for us. It'd be nice. Well, let's just uh, round off by setting the scene for Wednesday then. Looking at Group 1 of League B, which we are in, Ukraine are top on seven, Scotland are second on six, Ireland are third on four and Armenia are bottom on three. Ireland and Armenia have both played four games. Us in Ukraine both played three after the 
shuffling of the matches towards the end of last season. So we can go top with uh, nine points if we beat Ukraine on Wednesday and put us in a really strong position ahead of the final two. And I think that would really incentivise everyone. Can you imagine Hamden absolutely buzzing on Saturday against Ireland, 7.45 or 8pm kickoff on a Saturday off the back of an important win against Ukraine and sitting top of the group uh, and, and able to, well, unlikely that Armenia will take points off Ukraine, but could even stretch it further if things were to go our way. Um, so it, it's going to be an exciting week. Personally, uh, Lewis, I'll come to you on this. I'm, I'm still feeling a wee bit of a hangover from June, to be honest, from the Scotland games. Uh, when we were rolling into the, the back end of the last qualifying campaign, when we won six or seven games in a row and it felt, and McTominay against Israel and Shea Adams against Denmark, all that, I was really looking forward to the games. I've, I'm definitely approaching this week with a bit more trepidation after what happened in June. I think that's fair. I think trepidation is only natural. And I think it's, it, let's be honest, it's the Ireland game really that's left that for me. I think mm. Ukraine, we know how good a team Ukraine are. And given everything that was going on, like Ukraine could put in a performance like that against any team and get a result. I think there was nothing, you know, to take away from, from any of that performance or result that could have happened and obviously did and credit to Ukraine there but that Ireland performance was unlike anything I've, I've seen under Clark in a long time um, in fact I think it was the worst I've seen us under Clark from stop um, so that's what maybe leaves a bit of the bitter taste obviously did pretty much everything we could in that last game of that window to try and dust the cobwebs away to come back to this camp as fresh as possible but there is going to be a lingering feeling from from that disappointment in, in Dublin that, that will hang over us. And, yeah, I think as long as the players and the, and the staff don't feel it, that's the main thing. Um, but I think there will probably be a little bit of that amongst the support, which hopefully can be you know, blasted away with a good start to this game on Wednesday night. But, again, it's, well, we know how difficult they are. They're, they're a good team. They're going to prove it again. Um, but we just really need to be at it from, from the off. And hence why... Uh, it's so crucial that he gets his team selection right and goes with the, the players I think that are in the best form at the moment to get started well in this in this window Well I think we did pretty much reach a consensus for the team let's run through it just to round off so Gordon in goals back three we anticipate McTominay, McKenna, Tierney full backs of Taylor and Patterson midfield of Ryan Jack, Cal McGregor and then behind Shea Adams, John McGinn and Ryan Fraser. Is that what we are predicting and or hoping Steve Clark will do, Ben? Yeah, I think hoping. I really do. I just want to see a bit of change because that, that Ukraine game that you touched on, obviously they did have all that extra motivation and they also have you know phenomenal players. So it was that combination that just blew us away. Um, I'd really like to see us try something different because I just think they've, they've worked out how to play us in the system that we really like. Um, so we might have to change it up a little bit. Um, looking at that Island game, that was, that was just, it was almost one of those embarrassing results that I felt like we kind of got past. I didn't think we were ever going to be opened up that easily and, and really dismissed that way against the team that you would say are really on a par with us. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's work to do in this break, I think to, to get the fans back on side and get us back believing in this system and in this group of players. I think that there's plenty of talent there. There's enough talent to, to do it. Um, so yeah, just fingers crossed that that actually happens. Looking at the starting lineup from the Ukraine game at home in June, there would be six, the, the team that we've just listed off 
that would include six changes to the team that played Ukraine at Hamden because there will be no Hanley, there will be no Cooper, there's no Robertson, there would be no Hickey, and we've also voluntarily dropped Gilmore and uh, Lyndon Dykes from that. So that would, and with the return of Tierney, with the return of Patterson, with the return of potentially Ryan Fraser on form, cause for optimism, I think. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. And God, if we do just get the win on Wednesday, not really caring how it happens. I just really want us to go into the Ireland game with a bit of wind in our sails from three points against Ukraine, start to uh, lay the ghost of June to rest and, and move on um, and hopefully put ourselves in a strong position to to reach uh, Division A, which would obviously subsequently leave us in a really good position for a playoff for the next year or so. Yeah, full steam ahead for Wednesday uh, and we'll see how it goes. And of course, we'll be back throughout the week looking ahead to the Ireland game and reflecting on what happens against Ukraine. Whatever happens against Ukraine, we'll be here to pick the bones from it. So, Ben, as usual, thanks very much, Lewis. Great to have you on in your new unleashed capacity. Thank you. <laughs> cheers, guys. Right, cheers, guys. Podcast Network.